Hello, I'm Brittany Campbell-Turner, and this is The Constructor Podcast, episode number 35. Hello, and welcome to Constructor, the best way to build it. This podcast is dedicated to helping property owners have certainty in their decisions about their construction projects. We talk about fostering trusting relationships within your project teams, help you understand how to lower risk, be under budget, and on schedule in your construction projects, and most importantly, exceed your end user's desires. So for this episode, we talk with Chris Wilson. Chris is the owner and CEO of two social enterprises in Baltimore City. One is a construction general contracting firm called Barclays Investment Corporation. The other is a furniture manufacturing company called House of Da Vinci, where they produce high-end furniture. They will be coming out with a line of furniture products, and one of the lines is commissioned by Red Bull. So you'll hear a little bit more about that in the interview. But the reason why I wanted to speak with Chris is because I'm looking more and more for companies who are giving back to their communities. You'll see more and more of that um, in future podcasts, Uh, specifically people who are uplifting, who are positively impacting um, humanity in a very general sense. Um, And there are lots of communities that we can do that with. Chris, specifically, he tends to hire people who need help the most. Unemployed, returning citizens who just came out of prison. And if you listen to last last week's episode with Ken Gronbeck, the demographer, we talked about uh, the demographics of the USA. Um, And if you want to check that out, that's episode 34. One thing I asked Ken about was specifically diversity and the, and the demographic trends in America. And his response referenced Latino immigrants who've been contributing to the economy in a really important way, you know, basically growing the population and we really should be paying attention to them. But he also mentions on the topic of diversity that the black male population that is imprisoned touches the millennial, the Gen X, and the baby baby boomer generations. And we don't know how to deal with that. No one knows what to do with that population, and no one wants to talk about it. This is where Chris Wilson's story comes in. Welcome to the Constructor Podcast, Chris. We're happy to have you on the show. You have two social enterprises, Barclay Investment Corporation and House of Da Vinci. Could you tell us a little bit about the difference between a social enterprise and a social cause? My philosophy is I don't want to just make money. I want to do it in a way where I can solve a problem, whether that's a social problem or improve my environment. So if it's like blight removal, um, just doing stuff to improve and give back versus the, the pure capitalism, just make more money, you know, and create value uh, for the shareholders or whatever. So, like, that's just not my philosophy right there. I think that was the problem we've seen in, in, in the last uh, recession in 2008. It was just so much greed, just make money, make money. And we got to think about the people and think about our environment. And so that's, that's my philosophy. And, and not doing that through a nonprofit or 501c3. 
you, did, you felt like you right. could provide jobs to people who, who are in need, like the unemployed or people who are previously out of prison or they're yeah, just out of prison. Right, exactly. And so my, my you know, my thing with nonprofits, right, it's, it's a necessary entity, like, you know, for society, but that the model is based on, you know, people giving, you know, grants and stuff. And I just think, you know, the, the right model for us and what I'm trying to do is, you know, full profit, create like a value, create, you know, a sustainable uh, model where you can also um, help people. Awesome. So to get a little uh, into why you're so passionate about having a social enterprise and, and giving that value to whoever is being hired and in addition to that, any of the stakeholders, um, just give us a sense just, just what drives you? What, what drives that desire in you? I, I guess it would have to go back to when I was like really, really young, maybe like seven or eight. Um, I've always uh, been an entrepreneur as far as I can remember. I remember my mom, you know, um, telling me about, you know, the law of scarcity and selling candy and stuff like that to my friends. And I also remember my uncle would um, lecture um, my, me and my brothers about how we need to get up off the porch. We need to get a job. We need to, you know, just always, every time I seen him, like he actually would get on my nerves uh, with it. You know, sometimes call us losers, um, but he never sat down and actually showed us how to get a job or showed, showed us like how to start a company or taught us anything. So it, that stuck with me growing up. And so I, I recognize the challenges um, here in Baltimore of unemployment, um, drugs, uh, people uh, not graduating from school, and I want to be able to um, remove, help remove obstacles out of people's lives and, and create those opportunities. So instead of just telling someone, you know, you need to get a job or you need to find a career and going about my business, I'll, I'll say that, but I'll say, I'm going to show you how you do it. Well, I'm going to provide training for you um, to perform like this, this job right here and take people off the streets. So you you are you were able to experience the the lack of direction when someone said go ahead and you know you should be doing this or that right. but you were you never got the direction or were taught the steps and you saw in your community that people in general were not taught right. the steps to to do so and so your your drive is to go ahead and actually right. you know teach people provide that skill set right okay right because that's really, that's all it is. It's, you know, it's no difference. Like someone knows how to do something and someone doesn't. And, you know, my teachers, like growing up, my teachers would say sometimes in class, I got mine, you got to get yours. And then sit down and read the newspaper. And it's like, well, <laughs> how am I going to get mine if you're not going to teach me anything? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's an important driver. Um, just to, just, just to be able to say, you know what, I feel that there's a deficiency in the way things are structured and even culture, right? right. Um, and and you're you're working to fill that gap, which is right. an amazing thing. Right. Thank you. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the goals of your either one, the furniture company, um, House of Da Vinci. I know you say you're planning on rebranding soon. Right. Um, and then also Barclays. Okay. Um, yeah. Tell us. Tell us what you're trying to achieve in the next, I don't know, year or five years or. So with with the furniture company, like most of my focus uh, lately has been on the relaunch for the furniture line. 
Um, I've been, the company is about three years old. I've been making uh, all kinds of furniture and restoring antique pieces. Um, There's a correlation um, in restoring furniture um, with uh, my other company, and it's just finding um, pieces of furniture or people um, that, like, most folks don't see any value in and and just tapping at that um, the untapped potential. And so with the with the sofa, like if I found like an old antique sofa, I restore a sofa to like its natural beauty and then sell it. And so what we're trying to do now, uh, we're working on um, a line of furniture. So we're building Chesterfield sofas, um, including the frame, everything, um, executive conference tables, uh, end table, and then um, just a, a chair, maybe a chair for like restaurants or lounges. And then we're going to mass produce them. And so we are. Uh, hire people. Um, some of our people have, you know, come home from prison. We also have, um, you know, a couple of folks who never went to prison, just really skilled and, and love to build stuff. And so we also make art too. So I've been selling some paintings. And the thing about our company is um, a percentage of um, our profits, we uh, give directly to uh, causes around Baltimore, people who need help the most, people that's on the ground, that's doing the community organizing or just um, stuff for veterans uh, and just doing stuff for people like that. And so people would like, if you buy um, like Red Bull, just uh, commission us to build a, a sofa, a Chesterfield sofa. And we call our, we don't call our sofa Chesterfield sofa. We call it the Santan Winchester sofa, which is named after one of, um, one of uh, the most challenging uh, communities here in Baltimore. And usually when, when people hear Santan Winchester, they think, um, about like the uprising, Freddie Gray, um, the highest infant mortality rate, the highest um, incarcerated population in Baltimore City. But um, there's also another side to Sandtown, a lot of uh, resilient, innovative people who do amazing work there. And so this sofa that we sold to Red Bull, um, we want to like be able to tell that story about, you know, this sofa, Santown, Winchester. Also, our materials, we use reclaimed materials. We source all that stuff locally. Um, they get to hear about the people who um, who uh, built the sofa. And so we think that's powerful right there. And so that's the story I want to tell. It's all about the story. We do, we make nice furniture, but we want people to know um, our story and what we're going through here in Baltimore. So I know you said Santown, Winchester is is the one that's supported by Red Bull, or rather you sold that to Red Bull, right? Yes. Um, that's awesome. Red Bull, yes. What other community organizations are you supporting in Baltimore? So another organization um, that we work closely with and that um, we uh, make donations to is Second Chance, which is a place that um, uh, sources, it gets material donated, uh, furniture, um, building materials, and they resell them. But they also, um, this model, they employ about 100, 150 people. 70% of the, um, the people just came up from prison. So they're providing opportunities, job opportunities for people um, who need help the most. I also um, raise money for um, the University of Baltimore Second Chance College Program. So it's a group, it's about 33 inmates who um, are working towards a bachelor's degree. And so um, the work that I do out here um, through, um, through the companies and through speaking and, and through fundraising, we give a lot of money to that program. And that's something that I'm trying to encourage other folks to do, other uh, business uh, leaders. It's not just about making money. 
but having an impact in our, in our communities. And, and this is one way to do it through business. I think that you've gotten a lot further ahead than maybe a lot of people by connecting, connecting with these larger organizations and getting the support like you're getting with Red Bull. And, and I think it's an inspiring story. So anybody, um, any one of our listeners, doesn't matter if uh, you're an owner, if you're a general contracting firm, um, doesn't, doesn't matter who the listener type is. There's an opportunity to think about how to, how to support the under-supported in the community. Uh, and and, and I, I like that you mentioned the furniture has its own untapped potential, but I think that you carry that over into people as well. Right. You want to be able to, <laughs> you want to be able to infuse and enable Absolutely. and uplift um, those who have unpa- untapped potential. Right. That's, I mean, that's a very good point. Um, for example, a few years ago, I, I worked as a workforce development director and I would, you know, also meet with like local gangs and folks who, you know, they would have tattoos all over their face, uh, you know, just came home from prison, not working, back child support, all this stuff, right? And some of my partners would say, well, don't focus on a person like that. Focus on someone that you can employ. Like, we can't help everyone. But I, I would look at this person, like, they showed up on time when I scheduled the appointment. Their limbs work. They, you know, attitude is, is, is reasonable. They can work. You know, they could, they could paint a wall and not get paint on the floor. I'm going to get them a job. <laughs> And I would do it. And I would help these folks. And it's like, oftentimes, it's like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, as long as they could, like, have a place to stay, food, and stuff like that, like, that's what people need. And it's like, I, I, can, I can do that, you know? And that's what I started doing. And that's when I realized, you know, I want to focus on this area where I can help people like that. And people need to see people that look like themselves, that come from where they come from. So, and like my uncle, if my uncle would have done things differently, you know, maybe I... <laughs> Things would have been differently for me growing up. It wouldn't have been so rough. So what do you think the biggest obstacles are that you face um, as you're trying to build your businesses? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'm i sure right. there's a lot just given um, the hirees you're trying to hire, right? Um, ex-cons, if you will, and then... Um, right. Right. You know, unemployed for a while. Uh, you know, like you said, people people want to work with others that look like them. But you, as a GC, or you know, if somebody's walking into a space, you know, they have an expectation of what people are supposed to look like. So I don't know. We, right. Feel free if that's if that's you know just one of the obstacles. You know, feel free to talk about anything else as well. Right. Well, um, for one thing, uh, I, I don't. Uh, use the word ex-con so I prefer either like returning citizen or you know I you know I don't think the term I think that's that's a little outdated um but as far as the challenges so that's that is a challenge right to to work um in business uh with a population that that also faces like you know a lot of challenges And, and and most of these challenges are in the living environment and so having a decent place to stay, not having a car, um, limited education. And so there is sort of, there's a ceiling of, of capacity and skill sets. And so that's why it's important for folks um, to, even when you get a job, to continue to keep training and keep pushing yourself to move up the economic ladder. 
Um, but but there's different challenges, right? So just the fact um, that I focus in this area, or, or even myself, like I come from this area, like I've been to prison, uh, I grew up in a tough neighborhood, I lost uh, family members to gun violence, um, and had to, you know, battle like, you know, PTSD. But there's, there's a stigma um, for people like myself, and, and, and especially in business. When I started, when I came to Baltimore, and I started my company, um, and we were profitable, like, instantly. We started making money. We started, like, you know, hiring people. I grew up, I went up to, like, 23 employees uh, for my construction company. And I couldn't get a line of credit from, from the banks. Banks would say, we need two years of tax returns. I was like, I'm a startup. I just started. We need collateral. You pretty much, like, <laughs> like they would loan me money if I didn't need money. And so I needed that line of credit, the revolving credit, because, you know, I couldn't wait. 90 days to get paid from a client and it had to float payroll. So it was, it was just, it was killing me. Um, and so that was a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I realized a few years later that, um, the reason why my, you know, my lo- uh, lines of credit didn't get approved was because of my background, having been to prison. <laughs> and so it's pretty, it's pretty hard to, um, to overcome that, but we're still here. We're still making money. Yeah. Um, Thanks for correcting me on uh, <laughs> the the term ex-con. Um, <laughs> I no, returning citizen. Yeah. Just given given the obstacle that you you just mentioned about getting a line of credit, um, it's a constant returning. It's not like it's not like it's returned. You know, it's not like you can just hop back and jump right jump right in and um, operate just like everybody else. Um, so. Right. That's right. that's huge. Um, I don't think that some people realize that there are obstacles um, that that people face when they're trying to to establish themselves again in society, uh, especially in the black community, especially in the you know black males that are that are trying to uh, right. you know do better for themselves. I notice. Uh... Something else, um, and I've actually been journaling um, about this, um, particularly in the in the black community, is um, because of like well, take Baltimore for example, um, with with all the gun violence and the homicide rate and and the opiate uh, academic, epidemic that's taking place right now, um, I'm noticing a lot of people um, are suffering from trauma. Um, PTSD, like, you know, and, and, and stuff doesn't have to happen to you. It can happen around you. And I just, I see a lot of people that's, that's struggling with it. And oftentimes in our communities, we don't, uh, we're reluctant to, to seek help or go to therapy and stuff like that. And so I just, I just see a lot of people that suffering and, you know, people cope different ways, like self-medicating, drinking too much, using drugs. And, and I think like this is a result of um, trauma. It's actually generational trauma that's just been passed down through families. Mm. Yeah, and so so that uh, it appears to me that you you help in that a little bit. You provide a little yeah. bit of, of therapy. <laughs> yeah, so I got yeah. it from like a tough manager slash social worker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and that's what that's what people need. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I I think that um, you know the black community does need to be focused on, but I think there's a lot of that taking place, um, in other communities. Um, and, and they do seek out help. 
right. and they're able to come up out of it. And it's and it's it's a mindset shift that that does need to take place. But I think there is that time investment um, that you're putting in to people um, and that care that you're putting into people that that's allowing people to to improve. So so you started out with 20, 23 employees. Where are you at as far as employees now? So we scaled down um, a bit. So we're down to down to I think we have nine nine employees for um, construction, and we're at six for the furniture. Um, mm-hmm. Reason why uh, was just again um, making payroll and, and floating like it just was too much for me, mm-hmm. and so I had to scale down. And you know we probably we operate like a, a movie production company. Depending on yeah. the project, we can scale up. And so when I went up to 23 employees, I was building um, a, a seven-unit apartment building. So we needed a big crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and so we hired people and worked on that project for like a year. Um, and so right now, we're just, um, just riding, riding uh, working clean, lean and mean. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so that's how we're rolling right now. Yeah. Um, but I love it, though. I, I love working. I love building, and I like being around the crew. So and just, and make I have stuff a couple happen. questions for you around mindset and, and culture um, in construction. So just to give you a little bit about my background um, and, and for the audience as well, I have worked um, as an owner's rep for probably about 10 years, and I would say the first four years I worked in a lot of government work, which, as you know, there are um, – the women and minority requirements, at least here in Chicago. So I had the opportunity to work with companies um, that sometimes are underrepresented, a lot of Latinos, um, black males, um, just just more minorities in the organizations because, quite honestly, they had to represent in numbers. Um, so I had the opportunity of... You know, teaching people um, different right. skill sets while while having while keeping them accountable. Um, from from my perspective, a lot surrounding around schedule, um, schedule right. management, schedule preparation, um, and schedule execution. I think as I think as long as um, there's that support where where you can invest and teach and uplift you know, by, by creating some systems in place. Right. Um, I think, I think that's truly where the secret sauce is at. And I, I, I'd use that term, but maybe there's a better one. And I, I guess I I'm like curious as to, yeah, you don't like it either? <laughs> no, I like I don't it. Know. No, no, I like it. Yeah, I like it. Oh, you like sauce, it? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm curious, Chris, do you have, do you have systems in place when you, when you talk with someone, um, to when you when you're prospecting to see if you'd like to hire someone, or um, if you're if, even looking at a job, right? Is is it worthwhile to you to to embark on on acquiring that? Because you're going to be in that space for a while when you when you're actually constructing. Like, what what's your right. what's your so, process? Um, it's a good question. So with, with jobs, um, I'm always thinking about. Um, like, I guess I will start with um, the client or the or the people. I like to do business with people I like. Yeah. And so, so it's just the little things. And so, when we sit down, um, when we show up. Say if it's a walkthrough to look at a project, um, are they on time? Because fifty percent of any job or whatever is like just getting there on time. So if I'm going to look at a, a job site, 
or and we agreed to meet at a time. If they show up late, I'll make a a, a note of that. Um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do my homework mm. um, on you know if they pay their bills. Oftentimes, folks don't want to pay on time. Um, check you know check some references and stuff, and then it's also internally about you know what what is my capacity and like um, and what is like you know what's the capacity of my my team? Um, can they get stuff done or you know what their mind is? And so I just make decisions based off of that and whether or not I want to do the work. And trust me, like I've I've made mistakes and like especially when I first started out, I learned a lot. I got in and my first project I started on well my second project was um, that seven unit apartment building. Um, that we had to do interior um, demolition. We had to do some structural stuff. We had to raise the, the the roof of it, add another apartment. Like it was just a lot of work, and it was you know I had to learn a lot. Yeah. So so it was challenging. Yeah. So <laughs> you, I think you used the term "see where our mind is at." Yeah. See. Yeah. See where our mind is at. Yeah. yeah. Let's break that down a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I guess, I mean, I have a degree in, in sociology mm-hmm. and I just, I like to understand people um, better. And it's been times where, you know, we, we've done jobs and, you know, folks didn't want to pay us or all kinds of stuff went on. I just want to, I want to understand a person who I'm doing business with or doing a job for. Um, and so for me, that's, that's important. Just what, what type of person um, they are. Um, I mean, I, especially like here in Baltimore, like it's different. Like when we do work in DC, it's different in New York, but Baltimore is just, um, a very, uh, uh, people oriented, um, city. Like it's all about the people here in Baltimore and it's a small city. So everyone knows everyone. And so I just try to focus on, on just working in areas where, you know, it's good people. Yeah. That's. That's huge. I think there are a lot of people, like you say, it could be money hungry, and that's definitely not your focus. You're like, you want you want to be fulfilled in in right, no, your not work, at all. and that that definitely is determined by the people right. that you're working with. Right. I'll give you an example. Um, there were um, a lot of people getting hit crossing a, um, a particular street in Baltimore by cars. Um, cars were speeding. They were just driving too fast. And so there was a project, um, some local artists wanted to figure out a, a solution to slow traffic down. And so we, we got together, uh, we included the community, um, and we wanted to create these structures, uh, five life-size elephants. They had to be built, and we allowed the community to participate, um, the children and, and they, they chose the elephants. They would paint, like, certain parts of the elephants. And then we assembled these elephants along, along um, it was in front of the zoo, actually, but it was along the street. And the theory was, well, people would see these structures, like, they were pretty. Um, they would slow down to look at them, and it would slow traffic. And so it was a simple solution to get people to stop speeding. And, you know, of course, I was like, all right, well, who, who's going to pay for this? Who's the client? And one of the local bank, uh, PNC Bank, um, actually uh, pay us to do it. And so that was something I was like, all right, well, this is a job. Um, one, it would give me a, a, you know, a, a closer relationship with my bank, closer relationship with the community. Um, and it's a project that I would be proud to point to to say, listen, this is something that we built and we made some money from it. And so that was, that was a fun project to do. And it's, you know, 
it's, it makes me feel good to drive by. That was a few years ago, to drive by and you see the elephants there. And also, people aren't getting hit by cars. And so we like to choose projects like that and work with people who also want to have an impact in their community. And, you know, everyone's happy. Yeah. Actually, I think I came across those on your website. Um, those are actually really yeah. cool. Uh, they're cool pieces of artwork. And I would slow down to look yeah. at it, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so if you want to take a, a look at the elephants, go ahead to BarclayInvestmentCorporation.com, and you can see the pictures there, too. Um, Chris and his crew working awesome. on different sites. Uh, they're amazing spaces with timber, and you can tell that um, <clears throat> you can tell they have a lot of history there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun job. I want to get into a little bit the mindset around building a social enterprise in construction. Okay. Um, it seems that it seems that because you've taken the, you know, strong manager, um, social worker approach, you've been able to you've been able to do well in in the community, getting business and and this that and the other. I I'm curious as to other organizations. Um, what what you might recommend to them to start embarking on helping in similar spaces? Right. Um, I, I think just like with construction and I just, as myself, like growing up and just working in the backyard with my mom doing landscaping work or just really appreciating the process of building stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I, I just... I really enjoy um, working alongside people, especially folks who I know who've been through similar stuff, such as myself growing up. Mm-hmm. And and working alongside people like that, it allows you um, to bond and instill um, a, a sense of self worth and ability and, and potential. Um, and I, I don't know, I just enjoy it, just um, just helping people. Like I say, like my uncle would tell us, we need to do this, we need to do that, and. You know, my approach was just different. Like, I would be alongside uh, my men and women um, that work for me and explaining stuff to them and, and, and working with them um, to build stuff and then handing them a paycheck and, and telling them, see, you don't have to look over your shoulder like the, the earn an honest living, you know, <laughs> and it feels good. It's just, it's just, I mean, I just care. So yes. um, I think, you know, employees and business owners, um, when you care about your people and you create an environment, where people um, can learn and build and grow and move up in the company. It just, you know, you, you get better workers. You, um, you provide better service or, or create better products when people just like it there and like being around you. Yeah, I, I, think, I think people, um, especially some of the companies that I work with, they'll, they'll initially think, what's our talent and development program? Um, let's think about the in-classroom training that we're going to, to go through. And, um, you know, I, I think sometimes what's missed is that grassroots, just side by side, working with somebody, understanding what it is they have to achieve and like thinking through brainstorming in, in, in place, like on the site whatever it is, just, just like, let's, let's deal with the, the project at hand together. Right. And it sounds like that's the approach that you're taking. Absolutely. Sometimes I get in trouble for it. Like my, my advisor would tell me sometimes, I know you want to bond with the crew, Chris, but you bond, you bring them donuts and pizza or something. It's like, I want to see, I want to see you down in that trench. And it's like, I like working <laughs> like, you know, 
if I if we're digging a trench or something, I'm gonna jump down in there and 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 sing along with the guys and, and dig this trench. Like hard work is good for the soul, and you know I, you know people appreciate that. I get dirty too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, I I love this show called Undercover Boss. I don't know if uh yeah, you're familiar yeah, I've seen with it. it. Yeah, I love it yeah, too. Yeah, I I think there's nothing like, you know, just really taking the time to understand really what everybody has to do and like the mindset they they have while they're doing it and and maybe just working through some of the small obstacles that can really improve um, you know, the way they're doing something and I don't know. I, it sounds like, obviously, you're not undercover, boss. You're, you're <laughs> there and in person, you know. Right. Um, but I, I think that that value is huge. Um, Absolutely. And I'm sure that your employees help. You know, they appreciate that as well. Yeah. I've helped. Um, so, I've helped some of my um, employees go on to start their own company. So it was this guy, who um, I met when I was doing workforce development work. His name was Terrence. Um, he was a carpenter too. Showed on whole time, really good dude, had his own tools. I got him a job on a construction site um, as a carpenter helper for like $21 an hour. Um, he worked for like three weeks. I think they found out about like his background. They laid him off. And so so I hired him. So I hired him. He started working for me, started um, running one of my crews and doing some construction, um, some uh, carpentry work. I was paying him $31 an hour. And one day we were sitting in my car. And he knew my story. He knew I'd been to prison, um, spent 16, half of my life almost in, in prison. And he seen that I had, you know, been home two years, you know, started a company, um, you know, brought a house. Um, and he was like, I want to get to where you at. And I said, you know, again, I thought of my uncle. And I said, it's actually, you know, it's a lot of work, but like I can sit down and show you. So we met on a Sunday and I sat him down. And I told him about, like, how we can incorporate former LLC, how you can get some insurance, set up a website, do payroll, do, like, ADP or paychecks, and just broke it all down to him. Set up a website, some business cards. This is how you do it. And, uh, like, about a month later, his company, he started his company. I helped him start it. And his company was just a subcontractor company for my company. And instead of, like, handing him paychecks, I was handing him checks for like $20,000, $18,000. And he went back into the community, just like myself, um, and hired people. So he was inspired by um, what I had done. And so, and that made me proud. It's like, that's what I want to see happen. Like, that's what we need to do. Like, we need to go back and, and help lift our people up. Yeah. That's that's an awesome story about how you enable careers for people, right? It's a... Uh, right. That's just giving me like tingles. I love it. I I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. So is there anything that you, you want to leave the audience with um, at this point? Um, I don't know. I think um, one of my, like, my, my personal, like, I guess, like, um, philosophies or something that just stuck with me uh, growing up is I never allow um, – people to instill doubt into me or um, like I know my worth and my ability and my potential. And so um, I will always tell people that like, just make sure you surround yourself with, with amazing people. And so I'm definitely blessed to have made it like this far and, and accomplished all I've accomplished, but I've only been able to do it because a handful of people 
just mentored me and supported me and they're still there for me. And so that's what I want to encourage. But I call it, um, I call it my personal board of advisors. Like some of them may not know they're on my board, but mm-hmm. I just have people in my life. That's just, just dope. They're just awesome people. And they give me advice on all aspects, business, um, relationships, just in life. And that's, that's how I'm able to get stuff done. And so I would want, I encourage anyone to, you know, just surround themselves with amazing people. You know, again, it's it's aligning yourself with positive people, aligning yourselves with yourself with people who are right. going to uplift you, so that you can continue right. to be charged right. and, and uplift those people around you. Yeah. So, Chris, thanks for doing this interview with me. No problem. I I want to ask, what's the best way for people to learn more about you and what you're doing, or how to get in contact with you? Sure. Um, my website is chriswilson.biz. B-I-Z. Um, I'm real active on, on Instagram and Facebook. So my Instagram is Chris Wilson Baltimore. Facebook is uh, Chris Wilson. And my Twitter handle is uh, Chris Wilson Balt, B-A-L-T. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And um, hopefully we get a chance to find out where you are maybe next year. Uh, maybe we'll do a check sure. in to see where you are. Okay, for sure. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Check out Chris Wilson's website, chriswilson.biz. Follow him to hear more about his upcoming book, The Master Plan, that will be released in spring 2018. We will speak to him around that time and keep you guys updated. There's also going to be a movie produced that will tell his story, The Master Plan. Um, So we'll, we'll be looking forward to that as well. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, You'd be interested in my talk with Randy Hall where we talk about diversity in construction and supporting our communities more in episode 30. That's constructor.com slash EP30. Don't forget to subscribe at constructor.com. That's constructrr.com to get email updates from me about upcoming podcasts. Feel free to recommend an interviewee as well there. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so at iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave a review to show your support and let me know you're enjoying the podcast. I look forward to talking with you guys next week.